Israel Gutierrez, you're bringing us a story today about two young people that I apparently should have known about, but absolutely did not. And the larger story that is essential to understanding them. And so who are these kids? These kids are Amen and Asar Thompson. They're 19-year-olds from the Bay Area of California who are playing for Overtime Elite. two identical twins who were the highlight signings for this organization. No matter where we go, we're going to show up. We're the Thompson twins. It's not just a couple of really good players I've never heard of. Oh, they're identical twins. Oh, they're both going the overtime elite route and skipping college and probably are going to be drafted in the lottery in the 2023 draft. Now, normally when I hear of players from the States that are projected to be lottery picks, I pretty much have heard of who they are. Yes. These two players, because they didn't go to college, because they didn't go the LaMelo ball route, which is just something extravagant and out of nowhere, you probably didn't hear much about. All right, cool, I've got Israel for you. I'm just gonna put myself on mute. What's up, Asar, how you doing, man? It is sort of a test case where can you go the non-traditional route here in the States and still get enough competition to build up players to be ready for the NBA? Four on the clock. A man! Oh! Oh! My God! What did we just see from a man Thompson? That is undoubtedly dunk of the year! So basically, these are the two faces that are painting a picture that could potentially change the way student athletes or young athletes prepare for the NBA. And they just happen to look exactly alike. The way NBA prospects get to the league now looks nothing like it used to. And it's been that way for a while. We've been importing future MVPs from overseas for years at this point, which is the entire promise of Victor Wembanyama, who is next year's number one overall pick. And we've also watched the G League become the NBA's minor league system, essentially. That's the story of Scoot Henderson, who's probably going to go number two. But the story of Amen and Usar Thompson, who could maybe round out the top five in next year's draft, that turns out to be something very different. So today, Israel Gutierrez explains the rise of Overtime Elite, a viral video account that has since become a league unto itself. And we meet the twins who are suddenly key to getting everything and everyone to click. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Wednesday, October 26th. This is ESPN Daily. So Izzy, this is a story about identical twins, and I'm like flipping through my mental Rolodex, my guess who NBA game in my brain, and I'm not seeing a lot of them, a lot of identical twins in NBA history, right? 
No, there's not a ton. I mean, just doing the research, I learned of one that I didn't know, the Van Arsdales, which was basically back in the 70s. Uh, one of them was an all-star. Oh, Dick Van Arsdale. Yes, I didn't, know, go. I didn't know he had a twin. Yeah, he did have a twin. Um, and then you've got, you know, the Lopez brothers currently. You've got the Morris brothers and you've got uh, Caleb and Cody Martin, uh, one of them, a Miami Heat player. Mm. And so they're definitely twins that have piqued people's interest. They're definitely twins that have been high quality in college. And, you, and obviously the Lopez's uh, have had strong careers throughout, but nobody with the type of hype, at least not combined, that these two do. Right. Brooke and Robin Lopez are on the Bucks and the Cavs, respectively. They're fixtures in the league. But the twins we're here to talk about, Amen and Asar Thompson, who are both 6'7", who are both super high-level prospects, predicted lottery picks. What is their origin story? Where does that begin? It's so interesting, too, because normally when you've got um, sort of a family that really takes on, a, a, you know, a career with their, with their children, it seems like it's a sure thing from the beginning. But when you paint the picture of, of Amen and Asar and their parents living in uh, San Leandro, California, there is nothing certain about what they were going to do. And while the family did have some athletes in it, you know, they had uh, an uncle, Mark Thompson, who was a hurdler for Jamaica in the Olympics. They weren't necessarily, you know, littered with, with athletes throughout the family, littered with height throughout the family. So the idea that these two, you know, young boys at the age of eight and nine years old were creating NBA dreams for each other. I think that seemed a little bit, you know, like a reach. I think there's probably a lot of families who have probably said, hey, these kids are going to be in the NBA one day and it didn't work out. But in this family, you did talk to the twins' dad, and it sounds like it really was the kids themselves in this case who came up with the dream in question. They did. And so at nine years old, their dad proudly helped them put together this vision board, which they called a men and the stars dream board. And it had everything you would think of, right? It said, you know, it had a list of 10 things you'd have to do every day. Number one, run two miles dribbling left-handed. <laughs> 200 push-ups, 200 sit-ups, 50 pull-ups, 500 calf raises, and squat while watching TV. <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough how unrelatable to me personally this dream board is. <laughs> yeah, the, the other one, which seems impossible. Number eight, win every sprint. There's two of you. You can't <laughs> win every sprint. One of you guys has to lose. And this vision board, it's not just exercise-related tasks, right? I mean, what it says is that they have a goal. The goal is to become the greatest NBA player of all time. And so when their family sees this, sees this ambition spelled out so boldly and so explicitly, what do they do? After a couple of years of homeschooling, they got to eighth grade and they had an opportunity to go to this school called Pinecrest in Fort Lauderdale. I don't really think of Pinecrest as a basketball powerhouse. I don't think anybody in South Florida thinks of Pinecrest as a basketball powerhouse. But uh, Troy, father, decided that the idea of bringing uh, a man and a star down to Florida would be the best way to sort of give them a different look of athlete, but also be at a school that is academically very well thought of and would prepare his boys for, you know, for life if there wasn't basketball in their future. How do you tell them apart on the court, Izzy? Like, what do their games look like at this point? Yeah, so at this point of their lives, um, they were 
probably showing off some of their athleticism. But even at this rate, we're not especially tall. They weren't, you know, six, seven until they basically left Pinecrest after their junior year. So they looked like, you know, well-trained, well-prepared athletes who had a knowledge of the game, were really aggressive defensively, but still needed to learn a lot. Like at this point, a man shot what he called uh, a knuckleball uh, jump shot that, mm. you know, barely rotated and, you know, barely got above his eyes as he was shooting it. So you had to sort of see the special in them. Where does college fit into their picture? Because that is logically what a young, good basketball player should be trying to do. Yeah. And frankly, it was in the family's thought process that college was in their future. Their mother, Maya, uh, speaks about it and said, like, it's just the path. It's just what we thought was going to happen. But they had always been growing up, whether it be the AAU, CYO leagues, they'd always been on what their mom would call Bad News Bears teams, where it was <laughs> um, not really stacked. It was the two of them sort of doing the heavy lifting and everybody else sort of uh, eating off of, of their, their abilities and their success. And when they got to Pinecrest in Fort Lauderdale, it wasn't that much different. It was the two of them and effectively a bunch of role players. And that somehow got them to a state championship their junior year. But going into a senior year, they're thinking, we can't do that again. You know, mm. we can't show off to, you know, the Dukes and the UCLA's of the world by playing against the same level of competition. And so they started looking for other schools and were close to signing with Hillcrest Academy in Phoenix before they got a call from Tim Fuller, who was with Overtime Elite. And so what did Tim Fuller, the guy from Overtime Elite, want? He had just watched them play at a tournament in Kentucky, Tim Fuller did. It was an AAU tournament. And really, it wasn't the twins that brought him there. It was other players. And a friend of his just sort of nudged him toward these twins and said, hey, you should probably watch them play. And immediately caught Tim Fuller's attention. It wasn't just that they were you know, great basketball players and looked the part. It was the way they approached the game. It was specifically defensively very aggressive, very difficult to bring the ball up and down the floor against them. Just getting turnovers and dunks at a, you know, a rate that you wouldn't expect, especially against this level of talent. And Tim Fuller at the time was the director of recruiting for Overtime Elite, which hadn't even started yet. No, Izzy, when you say I have Tim Fuller from Overtime Elite on the line, my question would be, what is Overtime Elite and who is Tim Fuller? Well, that would probably explain why Troy Thompson was so hard to get a hold of when, when Tim Fuller was reaching out. He'd reached out a few times and didn't get a response back from the twins' dad. But when he finally got back to Tim Fuller, he said, I've, I've received your messages <laughs> and I'm intrigued. And so they sat down to lunch. And what Tim Fuller had to offer was this entirely new program. It was going to be based in Atlanta. It was going to be basically 24-7 basketball whenever and however you need it, whether that means time on the court, whether that means video analysis, whether it be state-of-the-art work with, you know, a shooting system called the NOAA system, which basically tracks everything from arc, release, speed, rotation, everything you would need to do to prepare yourself for your potential MBA career, and at the same time, still getting a version of academics that are taught to you a little bit geared more toward real life, 
And in the case of the twins, getting paid as well, because the overtime elite athletes get at least $100,000 a year mm. for their time there. So it was basically a, a prep year or two in their case for the NBA. And it did not include college, did not include collegiate restrictions, and certainly did not include NCAA rules. And so Tim Fuller is pitching this entirely new concept that is an entirely new basketball league called Overtime Elite. And it offers this alternative path for elite prospects to get to the NBA if they don't want to go the traditional one-and-done route in college, which sounds uh, like a bit of a risk. I think the interesting part here was it wasn't actually something that was certainty. It was 100% a gamble. Heck, the OTE gym hadn't even been built when they were asking a man <laughs> and a star to commit. Wait, wait, wait. So this guy comes up out of the blue and says, hey, I have this gym, this very fancy gym that I want you to practice and become an NBA player. Also, this gym does not exist right now. Right. So a man in a star in particular, you know, again, it was very much like the Pinecrest situation when they were being asked to go to Florida. A star was all about it. He knew that his goal was to get better, not to get to college necessarily. It did intrigue him. But it wasn't, you know, on that dream board it did not include, hey, win a championship for Duke. It just said, be the best NBA player ever. And so he was on board. I always felt like it was going to work out because no matter, like, at the end of the day, it's like, as long as I put the work in, like, I was going to be good. Men, again, questioned it. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be, like, the first to do it. And unproven, like, right at the time. And um, my mom and dad wanted me to go. And mm. I was like, no. It sounds like a man is smelling a potential scam. He's smelling that maybe he's being sold a timeshare in an empty field. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at it, like this was supposed to be their time to break out and be known and say, hey, this is us breaking into the spotlight. Well, they're doing it at Overtime Elite and they still don't have an actual spotlight. Like they don't <laughs> have a gym. And so it was definitely nerve wracking for a little while. And so how do they get converted ultimately into being believers? When do they actually decide to, to buy shares in overtime? So after a lunch meeting with Tim Fuller, both parents and the twins, they had a couple of weeks to discuss. And again, Amen was hesitant. He didn't want to go. Asar definitely wanted to go, knew he could improve his game. And basically it was just the constant sell of, hey, 24-7 training state-of-the-art training. A lot of these college basketball players who go to one and done, they sort of treat their college experience as that. It is just professional preparation. I think of Tyler Hero when I think of this situation because he committed to Wisconsin initially at high school, then said, no, Kentucky is going to get me ready for my professional career. Went to Kentucky. It was essentially an eight-month business trip. Got drafted in the lottery. That is the way a lot of these players think of it when they they consider themselves sure things. And so here it was the best possible way, cutting out a lot of the fat and frankly, having a couple of bucks in your pocket where you don't have to hide it. Well, it also seems like this deliberately bucks tradition in, in a startling way. I mean, we're talking about creating a new business and a new competitor and maybe an entire new template for future prospects. Yeah, it's so unorthodox, this path, when you think about it, Pablo, because 
they actually had a dream board with the vision mapped out with steps on how to get there (laughs) daily. And so back when that happened, this was not a step. This was not an option, meaning overtime elite. And here they were not only using this novel concept as a way to complete their process, but setting the tone potentially for, you know, generations of others to do the same. I mean, did I mention that Jeff Bezos invested in this company? So there's a lot. I mean, he's got a lot of money to throw around, but there's a lot (laughs) literally invested in this working out. And it feels like a lot of weight is on these twins. After the break, how to grow a league from scratch. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Izzy, you had mentioned some enormous names that I absolutely am familiar with. Jeff Bezos being one of them. Kevin Durant being another. So, what is their involvement with Overtime Elite? Like, how did the whole company even start in the first place? Overtime was actually founded in 2016 by Dan Porter and and Zach Weiner. And not only does it make me feel old, but it makes me feel really lazy because it just (laughs) feels like they created this sort of content site where it was basically wanting to capture like high school athletes for those who maybe uh, weren't local and couldn't actually see these players on their own. And you might remember like Zion Williamson or Trey Young, any of those highlights from from back in the day oh, in, wait, in wait, high wait. school. So is he the, 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 the page that posted all those videos where Zion Williamson is dunking on tiny, tiny high schoolers like he's Gulliver on Lilliputians. That was that was overtime. Yeah, that was overtime for the most part. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you, when you have that level of success, you've got a lot of eyes uh, on your page. What are you going to do? You're going to try to monetize that. You're going to try to find a way to get investors uh, involved and, and, you know, create even a greater project. And so this account that posts all these viral sports videos, how do they get the gall to declare actually the way that youth basketball itself is organized is flawed and we could actually do all of this better ourselves? I think the gall just comes with the yeses that you get when you ask for money. Because, I mean, you talk about people like, you know, Jeff Bezos, you talk about Drake, and you talk about uh, some of these NBA players, like they just see the concept and recognize that it should work. And frankly, what you need is commitments. And not only did they get the commitments financially, but they got at least last year, the commitments from really high caliber players. 
if you just look at it or listen to, you know, the conversation around college basketball or college sports in general, we've been talking about this for a while, sort of the, the lack of necessity of the college portion of it. For those who are definitively going to the professional athlete level of the professional sports level, you don't necessarily need all that other stuff. And so what they saw was just an opportunity there. It happens in other parts of the world, right? Uh, you know, people laud the European sort of basketball mm -hmm. preparedness because they start at a young age. It's academy style. It's not necessarily focused on on the university uh, just uh, as equally as important. And so uh, that's what oppor that opportunity was there here. And really what they needed was a level of commitment, not just financially or not just from those players involved who are going to do it, but those who worked there for those who saw the opportunity to say, hey, this is, you know, Kevin Ollie, for example, the head coach, the director of player development. Yeah, Kevin Ollie, who had a really long NBA career, won a title coaching UConn and then got let go in 2018. He saw this as sort of a perfect opportunity for him to mold young basketball players and not have to deal with, you know, the NCAA restrictions. Although Overtime Elite does now have a scholarship option to withhold the money and they actually have an NCAA compliance person there just to make sure that nobody's breaking any rules if they decide to take the scholarship option. So basically, it was a lot of opportunity that had been talked about and just never really taken. So the big name investors, Izzy, the people who are these high profile backers of the league, how do they plan to profit off of this? What's the business perspective here? What's the plan? Well, the plan is pretty much like any other league, right? You, you collect your money, you create a league that you think people will have interest in. And then you try to sell that ideally a media rights deal where, you know, Fox or ESPN or any of these big mm. uh, networks can say, hey, we want to televise your product. And then you form a relationship from there. And if you think about it, you're talking about, you know, players who you more than likely will see at the next level, which you can't always say that for college basketball games. And so the appeal in terms of the high profile athletes would seem to be there. So this is the live rights model. This is taking advantage of the fact that sports are like the only currency, really the only type of shows that people want to watch live in the moment. And so what is Overtime going to be showing live? What are the events here in their portfolio? Well, for the moment, outside of their own Overtime Elite schedule, which again includes, you know, the highest of high profile uh, high school players getting ready for the pros, you also have exhibitions that are drawing a lot of attention, especially lately. There was one where Bronny James Played. You had Carlos's Boozer's sons. He's got a pair of twins, another twin set of twins Man. Uh, playing in another game. Mikey Williams, another high profile player playing in, another, in, in a game. And it's just brought a lot of attention because, again, you're getting closer to these players' draft years. And when, you know, they're on the radar, people are going to want to see them. And so the more and plus you've got, you know, one of them is LeBron James's son. So that's definitely not going to hurt when it comes to getting eyes on the program. So the vision that they're selling here, Izzy, as a pre-professional academy for basketball, as this pipeline that they're building from scratch, effectively, what is the pitch here exactly? How much of this is about basketball? How much of this is about other stuff that a young person would get in a school-style setting? It's about basketball in so much as they're preparing you to be a professional basketball player. But you have to understand that just like in any other career, there is life outside of that. So it's not just 24-7 access to the gym and coaching and preparing to play basketball. It's also a program that prepares you for the world just as a professional. There's very specific curriculum, teaches classes in financial literacy, the business of basketball, there's social media training. 
Uh, there's media training in general. There's mental health awareness, which has become such a big issue of late. And it's all done in a setting where OTE specifically calls for four students for every teacher. So it's not, you know, 300 person literature classes here. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, in college, you'd definitely have tutors and whatnot. But right here, you're talking about a highly structured environment for someone preparing for a very specific career. I don't need to pretend that I am a normal college student when I'm actually on my way to the MBA. But I imagine that there are downsides, right? When it comes to joining a startup like Overtime, because they don't have any of the exposure or the platform that the NCAA has built up over decades and decades. Delayed gratification is probably one of the downsides, right? Because if you're looking for, you know, that popularity boost, if you're looking for that, uh, you know, just being a household name, you're probably not going to get that until after you get to the MBA. That the downside is you just have to trust in an organization that, again, doesn't have decades of success, isn't putting people on the MBA like John Calipari already is. But in this season, this is where some, some of the freedom of OTE comes from. You don't just have to play those scheduled games. There's no real offseason. Um, they've already experienced a basketball tournament, which, you know, had a bunch of collegiate graduates or former collegiate players on the teams that they played against. So there are other opportunities other than just playing against the same set of teams. And so what the sales pitch is here is that, you know, the NCAA, yes, they will market you by putting you on national television, potentially. But over time, they're trying to actually prepare you for the games that you're going to want to play after you graduate. Right. And I think this is where Amen and Asar Thompson were probably the perfect gets, if you will, to be the initial... Uh, sort of guinea pigs for this is because they never sought the spotlight. They always were under the radar willingly and just let their games do the talking. And they're also not this overconfident pair where they just want to go out and show out. They just want to improve. And they don't think they're at the level where, you know, they should be lauded or they should just watch highlights of them. All they see is things that they can get better at. So it, they are kind of the perfect test, if you will. Coming up, how the twins are grading out ahead of the most anticipated draft in years. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. 
One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. And so where are the twins right now, Izzy, in terms of their trajectory on the way to their long ago prophesized NBA dream? I watched them play. Uh, I watched them play a lot, actually, both uh, behind the scenes and at the basketball tournament in Omaha. And it was impressive. The way they defend, I think, is unlike any high school prospect I've ever seen. They're aggressive. Their IQ is off the charts. They like it is nearly impossible to get a ball down court if they're hounding you the entire time. If you go to some mock drafts, they're both in the top five. And uh, having talked to some folks who watched them play more than I did, but have watched them play, um, they say if they would have gone in this year's draft, uh, probably also would have already been top five. And Mike Miller, who's won an NBA title alongside LeBron James, by the way, um, is one of the best shooters I've ever seen. Uh, he said of these twins, they are a jump shot away from being a generational talent. Now, that's a huge thing. Yes. Like A jump shot away is a huge thing because this is a league that's so, you know, jump, shooting has never been more important. And so they've got a lot, a lot of work to do in that area. But to say that they are already there in the other aspects, defensively first, which you can't say a lot about 18, 19-year-olds, but also the IQ, the ability, um, the willingness to work, all of those things, uh, it does make you sort of say, wow, like it's not just that they're an under the radar uh, prospect. They are potentially, you know, one of the best, you know, you're going to draft this decade, but oh, they also are identical twins and you don't know which one's going to be better or if one of them is going to be better. All of that just creates this, this wild intrigue around them. The question of whether any of this is going to manifest in reality is running through this entire story, Izzy. So what is next for overtime as we're at this sort of crossroads where a dream might actually become reality? So for Overtime Elite, they're basically building off of what was a successful first year, uh, kind of built around these twins. And they're, first of all, expanding their roster. Um, they have had some impressive signings recently with a couple of players, a couple of guards, Tremaine Parker, Trey Parker, and Kanan Carlisle uh, for the class of 23. And if you look them up, they're highly ranked players. They also have the number one ranked player of the 2024 class, named Nasir Cunningham. He signed with OTE. And frankly, it was largely because of the twins. Uh, Tim Fuller, who we talked about earlier, uh, was courtside with one of Nasir Cunningham's advisors. And he was watching the twins play and basically sold to him, hey, if my guy gets to play against those two every day next year, <laughs> then they, he's not just going to be good. He's going to be a great NBA player. And so they basically have uh, grown or created this initial legacy at OTE just by existing right now. I know like part of the pitch they bring up getting to play against me and Asari every day. Seeing that the new recruits are competitive enough to want to do it. And I do kind of feel like we started something. What are the twins like as prospects right now? Is he, when, when scouts are watching them, what are they seeing them evolve into? Well, they're both six, seven, about 200 pounds, um, just really ball-hawking athletic defenders who are relentless on that side. On the offensive side, there's some, there's some distinction between the two. A man has sort of evolved 
into more of a, a point guard type ball handler, really sees the floor especially well, can get pretty much anywhere on the floor he needs. Um, Asar is basically uh, a little bit more of a wing, a traditional wing, a little bit of do everything. He can handle the ball. He can, you know, take on that point guard role if necessary, sort of rip the ball down and rebound and go. But he is more of that utility knife, does a little bit of everything. Um, still the same level of defender, probably a little bit better jump shooter than his brother. Together, they make for a yes. terrifying duo <laughs> defensively. Um, you're afraid to put the ball down uh, around them. And being that they're on the same team this year, the City Reapers of OTE, I think you're going to see a lot more of them sort of leaning into what their roles are going to be going forward. Again, a men, more of the point guard, and a star, more of the do-everything traditional way. And are they ready to be split up, potentially, if they both get drafted in the lottery? Being in different cities in general, assuming that they are in different cities, that's going to be quite the situation for them. Uh, a new situation for them. It's probably the one thing that they have no idea how to prepare for. Uh, and it's probably not going to be their favorite experience either because they are very much as close as you would think a pair of identical twins should be. They call each other their best friends. They do all the sappy stuff, even though they know it's sappy stuff. But it does strike me here at the end, Izzy, that I do need to be skeptical, if not cynical, of any entrepreneur in 2022 who comes to me and says, hey, I have this magical world where all of these twins are really good at basketball <laughs> and we have the fanciest equipment and this new futuristic gym and a, and a way to make all of your dreams come true. And so when are we going to know if this is, you know, an actual... A basketball Pleasantville? Yeah, yeah yes. <laughs> How do we know if... When are we going to find out if this vision, which is bordering on utopian is actually something that can manifest here on this planet. As much as I want to say that it'll be on draft night of 2023, I still think it's going to be a few years after that when we see not only how Amanda and Sar Thompson have developed, but how quickly, right? Like the idea is, hey, you're not going to need to sit on a bench for a year if you're really that good and you've got this level of NBA training. So I think that's, that's when you'll see if it quote unquote worked. But I do think that it has worked in a sense already. And I think it was perfect that Amen and Asar were the first two to do it. Because again, while they are these high-level elite athletes with actual specific MBA dreams, they don't feel like they're a one-trick pony, if you will. They feel like uh, very well-rounded humans already as 19-year-olds. I think what you're going to see is once they get drafted and you get the picture of how this was created, who they are, and what they might be, I think that already will prove that it worked because it'll not only give prospective athletes, young athletes, the idea that they can go this route, but it'll make parents feel more comfortable. It'll make family members feel more comfortable that say, hey, uh, whether or not my son succeeds here, I know they can at the very least be a good person at the back end of it, even if they don't you know, become professional athletes. So basically, in the same way that Tim Fuller got nudged by his friend to watch the Twins at that AAU tournament, this is me, Pablo, and us 
basically nudging everybody else who likes basketball and say, hey, go check out Overtime Elite, go check out these twins, check out some of their footage, and frankly, keep an eye on them throughout this year and see what the final picture actually looks like. Because again, not only great basketball players and fun to watch, but interesting people and getting to know them at this time before they become professionals probably going to be pretty intriguing. Yeah, Izzy Gutierrez, thank you for reporting out a story that makes me feel just incredibly old. You are welcome, sir. You, When we first did Around the Horn together, you made me feel especially old just by <laughs> announcing your age. So back at you. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.